Hello and welcome to the 19th episode of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? I'm Chris Tripodi of DraftAnalyst.com, and with me as always is Tony Pauline as we look forward to 2019, specifically the New Year's Day Bowl Games. Any resolutions for the new year, Tony? Uh, no, I don't make resolutions because I usually can't keep them, so I, I just try and, <laughs> try and do the best I can and, and move forward. How about yourself? Uh, you know, I, I like to say that my New Year's resolutions are not to make any New Year's resolutions because in the end, if I want to change something, why do I have to wait till January 1st? Most people, obviously, the, the popular resolution is, hey, uh, I'm going to get back in the gym, and then you're cleared out by the second or third week of January, and then people who regularly work out can actually get back to their you know regularly scheduled programming, which is always nice. Yeah, well, I mean, people who know me or know a little bit about me, I, I trained for the Olympic decathlon for 11 years, so I, I'm, a, I'm a crazy workout guy. I'm in the gym seven days a week, so maybe, maybe my New, year, New Year's re- resolution should be to work out a little bit less because I'm destroying my knees, but uh, that's for another, uh, another podcast, another topic of conversation. Yeah, I mean, the last couple of senior balls, all I know is I'm still sleeping and you're coming in from like a five-mile run or something like that, so props to you there. Got to keep my girlish figure. And uh, I, I can't I can't really transition too much from that. So we'll just head right back into the Outback Bowl here. We have two eight and four teams matching up, and that's Iowa and Mississippi State. Um, the big name that won't play in this game is tight end Noah Fant. Uh, we've talked both about him and his teammate and position mate, TJ Hawkinson, at length in this podcast. And this will actually be a big opportunity now for Hawkinson with Fant out of the picture. Obviously, they run a lot of two tight end sets, so Hawkinson sees plenty of snaps normally. But now he's going to be the focal point of that offense as a receiver. Hawkinson is a complete tight end who can also block as well as make catches. He made big strides as a receiver this year and really outproduced Fant on most occasions here and had a more consistent season. Fant is still the more highly rated pro prospect just because of the upside and potential that he does have. In addition to Hawkinson, there are several Bulldogs on the Mississippi State side that we've talked often about here. Montez Sweat, Jonathan Abram, Jamal Peters, Jeffrey Simmons, Elton Jenkins. You know, these five guys are all legitimate day two possibilities. Even a couple of them could sneak into the back end of day one or the at the very least the top 45 picks. What specifically are you looking at in this one, Tony? Yeah, and I like Hawkinson. I mean, I have Hawkinson highly rated. I know everyone loves Fant, but uh, I think Hawkinson's probably slightly faster than his teammate. I know that's going to draw a lot of consternation from people. I I mean, there are a couple of matchups. Hawkinson against Jonathan Abram, who is a a terrific safety, more of a guy who's a between-the-tackles, downhill type of safety, but he's a hard hitter. He's a playmaker. going to be very interesting to see what happens when Iowa sends Hawkinson down the middle of the field and he's matched up against Jonathan Abram. Uh, if there is a pitfall at Abram's game, some people believe that his ball skills are suspect. I don't think they're that bad at all, but he's going to be challenged against. Uh, he's going to be challenged by Hawkinson. The other player that we got to mention, yeah, well, you already mentioned, is Montez Sweat and I read earlier this week that Montez Sweat has accepted an invitation to the Senior Bowl. Kudos to him, because I was kind of critical of the fact that up until that point, he had not. As we've talked about, the thing about Montez Sweat is a lot of people think he's a first-round pick. Scouts I've talked to are not so sure because they're not they're concerned about how he's going to hold up against the run at the next level. Is he just a great college edge rusher who doesn't transition well to the NFL as a three-down defender? Well, he's going to be playing up against Alaric John, uh, Jackson, Alaric Jackson, the left tackle for uh, Iowa, a guy who I like a lot. I have him right now as a, as a fifth-round prospect. I don't have him. I, I probably could have him a little bit earlier, but he's a third-year sophomore. I want to see him progress. Uh, it's going to be a, a good matchup. 
because Jackson's a terrific uh, pass protector who can also run block. So, you know, Sweat can get some momentum here to kind of dissuade or, or, or knock away that opinion that he's not a good run defender going up against Jackson as we move towards the senior bowl. And then the other guy we're going to talk about is uh, Jeffrey Simmons. I mean, he's already declared for the draft. There's going to be a lot of talk about where he's going to go. Obviously, on film, Jeffrey Simmons is a first-round prospect, but he's got some off-the-field issues, and there's there's that tape out there of what happened in, in that parking lot three or four years ago You know that, that I, I sadly feel or I am concerned is going to be albatross around his neck. Yes, I know people say he's he's turned his life around and he's a model student, and that's great to hear, but... You know, seeing is believing, and I think there's going to be a lot of people who are going to try and detract from Jeffrey Simmons because of his past transgressions, transgressions which we see on film. Absolutely, and there's also another bunch of D3 options here. I'm going to start with Nick Fitzgerald, the quarterback from Mississippi State. Now, he's a guy before last season, I know we were really high on just his dual threat potential and what he would be able to kind of develop into potentially. Really didn't happen. He struggled last season, returned to school, started well this year. But then conference play started, and he didn't throw a touchdown until the fifth SEC game. In the end, his numbers were similar to last year. A couple fewer turnovers, but we haven't really seen that much growth from Nick Nick Fitzgerald. Did you see anything this year that leads you to believe anything different, Tony? I mean, sadly, it's been all downhill for Nick Fitzgerald literally the past two years. When I watched him as a sophomore, I I thought he was a guy that had top 60 potential. I liked his size. I liked his arm strength. But when Dan Mullen left, I mean, Dan Mullen's a guy who has done a great job developing quarterbacks Fitzgerald he had that bad injury at the end of 2017 uh, you know it, it's now you know is Dan Mo- is Nick Fitzgerald going to play quarterback at the next level or is he going to be a tight end because his accuracy really his passing game has seemed to have left them since 2016 so uh, it could be a situation where he's going to be looking for another position to play if he wants to play at the next level now we'll move on here to the Citrus Bowl featuring two 9-3 and three squads, Kentucky and Penn State. Now normally in almost every other year, we would be talking about Penn State being the prospect-laden team in this game. This year, though, that's Kentucky. This is the second straight year as well that we're going to have a Josh Allen going in the first round. The Kentucky pass rusher had a monster season, nearly doubled his career production, 18.5 tackles for loss, 14 sacks. Not only did he put up big numbers as a pass rusher, but he's a well-rounded player. He also defends the run well, and he's a legitimate first-round prospect this year. We have Benny Snell, the nephew of former Jets running back Matt Snell, who's a 220-pound bruiser, but he has good short area quickness and decent long speed. Uh, excellent production over the past couple years. Not really a factor in the receiving game, but he's still a legitimate second-day prospect. And then We're going to go to Mike Edwards, who I know is a player that you really like compared to the overall opinion from scouts about him. He'll be at the Senior Bowl in addition to Josh Allen, so we'll get to see both of them. What are you looking for from the Kentucky side of things here, Tony? Yeah, you know, Trace McSorley will also be at the Senior Bowl. He will be in this game. I'm not big on Trace McSorley uh, as a next-level quarterback, but he is a terrific college quarterback because he can pick up a lot of yardage with his legs, and he can make some throws and drop some dimes in there on occasion which are tough to defend. So, you know, you want, I want to see Josh Allen, if he's able to run down Trace McSorley, if he's able to contain him, if he's able to pressure him and really make the tackle behind the line of scrimmage. And I want to see Mike Edwards defend against him because Edwards is terrific against the pass. He, he's a tough run defender, doesn't have the great size, under five foot eleven, just about 205 pounds, but he, but he plays big football. He's instinctive. 
effective, and I think it's going to be a good challenge against Trace McSorley, who can do it all with his arm and with his uh, legs. I just don't think that McSorley translates well uh, to the next level, but I I think he's going to give uh, Edwards a run for his money in this game. We'll see what happens. Yeah, McSorley is definitely a fun guy to watch on the college level, but I think you're right. He's just not built for the NFL game. He's the kind of guy that if he does make any sort of career, he's going to most likely be undrafted. He could bounce around from camp here and there and, and maybe eventually get the stranglehold on a number three job somewhere, um, work on a practice squad. But he's just, you know, he's an electric college player who is really, really fun to watch, but it's just not going to translate to the next level. Guys who will translate to the next level for the Nittany Lions are several prospects along their offensive line. Both guards, Ryan Bates and Steven Gonzalez, are third-day guys. Will Fry's their tackle, is also a legitimate day-three prospect, in addition to the guy that they're opening up holes for in the running game, and that's Miles Sanders, who had a big season taking over for Saquon Barkley. Who are you watching among the Nittany Lions in this game, Tony? Yeah, and there's some talk as to whether Miles Sanders is going to enter the draft or not. I, I hope he stays. You know, Bates is, uh, projects to guard, but he lines up a right tackle for the Nittany Lions. He has played left tackle in the past. It'll be interesting to see those times uh, when and if he, he lines up against Josh Allen. Uh, because we know that Allen's a great pass rusher. He gets a lot of force up the field. I'd like to see that ba- uh, that matchup to see how uh, Ryan Bates uh, Ryan Bates fares against them. You know, everyone else from the Nittany Lions, I mean, later round guys, they really don't have the early selection. I've got Bates right now as a third rounder. A lot of people are going to think that that's even early for him. Most of them underclassmen. Bates is a, is a fourth-year junior. Will Freeze is a, uh, is a third-year sophomore. Steve Gonzalez is also a fourth-year junior. Uh, so uh, they've got a lot of good guys moving forward. Connor McGovern is, is another player to watch moving forward. We know that Kentucky can rush the passer. We, they, know, they do it with Allen. They do it with blitzes. We'll have to wait and see how the, uh, how the, Kentucky, how the uh, Penn State offensive linemen react. One last guy I want to mention, and someone I have rated much higher than scouts, is Kentucky outside linebacker Jordan Jones. You know, Again, an undersized linebacker who's got great speed, built more like a safety but runs around the field and makes a lot of tackles. Talked earlier about how McSorley is going to present the challenge for Josh Allen and Mike Edwards. I think Jordan Jones, number 34, keep an eye on him because he can make some money during this game if he has a big performance. The third game we're going to discuss here is the Fiesta Bowl, where, again, UCF is undefeated, not playing in the playoff. Again, we kind of went off on our playoff discussion a uh, a couple podcasts ago, so we don't have to repeat that. But UCF is undefeated again. They'll get the face off against 9-3 and LSU. And not only are they facing off against a team with three losses, they're facing off against a team that's going to have three big losses in terms of players who aren't going to play in this game. No Greedy Williams for LSU, no Christian Fulton. So they're top two cornerbacks, guys who are legitimate top level NFL prospects, not going to play. Also, no Ed Alexander in the middle of that LSU defense. There's only one second day prospect left at this point, or should I say one prospect who's going to go in the first two days, and that's Tigers linebacker Devin White, who... He's on the small side, but otherwise he's just an excellent football player. He's fast. He's instinctive. He plays disciplined football. He's always around the ball. He can play both the run and the pass. Tony, what are your thoughts on White? And, and if you want to go in on any of the defenders that aren't going to end up playing in this game. Yeah, White's going to be an early pick. I mean, he's a guy who I think is going to go top 12. I don't think he's small as much as he is short, uh, which will pose some matchup problems in coverage. But he is fast. He's explosive. He covers a lot of area in, in a short period of time, and that's what teams want in their linebackers. Uh, one guy you fail, you kind of failed to mention was Edwin Alexander, who uh, I believe is already declared for the draft. He is a big plugger in the middle. I loved him off the 2017 film. I didn't think he played up to expectations this year. Didn't think he made as many plays as he should have. 
but really I downgraded him from a second rounder as the season began to a third rounder. He's going to be able to play at the next level. I, I mean, what do you say about Central Florida? Uh, they do it with smoke and mirrors, but they get it done. Their top prospect on my board is Tristan Hill, who's a fourth round prospect, and he's a three technique tackle, six feet tall. 288 pounds. Uh, you know, on paper, the LSU offensive lineman should eat him up, but the guy just makes plays. They got a safety who I, I really like at Central Florida. They got a safety who I like in Kyle Gibson, who's a smart, heady guy, but he's undersized, uh, 5'11", 175 pounds, very good against the run, very good against the pass, but doesn't have the NFL measurables. They, obviously, they have their running back, Adrian Killens, another undersized guy, and he's explosive. I mean, when you look at this on paper, even with the LSU Tigers who are sitting out, LSU has a decided advantage here. But Central Florida always seems to be behind the eight ball as they were last year against Central as they were last year against Auburn, and they find a way to win. So who knows about this game? The prospects from LSU are the, are the best, better next level players. Uh, but but this game is going to be fun because Central Florida just comes to play every week, and they put good football players on the field. Yeah, and there are a couple other guys that could be drafted out of Central Florida if they do declare for the draft if they're underclassmen. One of them is Dredrick Snelson, six foot, two hundred and six pound, speedy type receiver. He was the number two last year. Traquan Smith left for the NFL, got drafted by the Saints. Snelson remains second on the team in receiving. He didn't really step into that number one role. So it'll be interesting to see if he can take advantage of the fact that these LSU top corners aren't playing in this game to to make some noise and make people say, hey, you know, I'm not just a guy who's just going to get surpassed by people or, you know, be behind an NFL talent like Traquan Smith. They also have a couple late round offensive linemen in Trevor Elbert and Wyatt Miller, both guys who are better run blockers than pass protectors as well. Any thoughts on uh, on any of those three guys, Tony? I think they're solid prospects, but I, I think they're all late round guys. I mean, Miller is, is a sm- plays left tackle, but he's a small area blocker. He may ha- he's going to move to the right side, may have to move to guard. Like you said, Snelson, a lot depends on how fast he runs, although he's, he has seemingly picked up his game this year. They just do it with less talent, uh, and they get the most out of the talent at Central Florida. So they may have some late round guys. They may have some third day guys, but that's basically it. And that's basically it for episode number 19 of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe via iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or find us on any of the other major podcast platforms as well. Leave us a rating and a review, and feel free to send us questions to answer on the show. DraftAnalyst.com, as always, is your go-to resource for NFL draft information, and we'll finish out bowl season with grades and rankings for every NFL prospect in all the remaining games. On behalf of Tony Pauline, this is Chris Tripodi, and we'll be back with one more Bowl Breakdown show real soon for all of you.